0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
1: We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon.
2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Loaded show today, and I do mean loaded show. We're going to talk about you being sandwiched. There's some ugly news out there. Interest rates. we got Mike Slater, Brian Dean Wright. All that's coming up on I'm Right. Stochastic terrorism. Ever heard that term before? That's one you should probably familiarize yourself with. Here's the actual dictionary definition of stochastic terrorism. The public demonization of a person or group resulting in the incitement of a violent act, which is statistically probable, but whose specifics cannot be predicted. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of big words. What What does that mean? Well, it's all around you. It's happening right now in your country, you're the most likely victim of it so we should probably make sure we understand exactly what is happening let's talk about joe biden for a second now let's all let's understand joe biden being a nasty vindictive human being who treats other people like crap this isn't a new thing this isn't a 2022 thing oh look at joe with all the dementia he's really mean now Joe Biden has a long three decade plus political career where he has built a reputation as being just a nasty, vindictive human being. Well, that's bad news for us because we're at a point in time when that guy being president is about the worst thing that could happen because the bottom, let's talk about the bottom for a minute. We talk about being sandwiched. They have us on the top. They have us on the bottom. Biden, the top antifa black lives matter all the endless vile street communist scum at the bottom the street communist scum at the bottom they've never been more violent and they've never felt like they have more of a blank check to hurt you than they do right now and that's because of the top you remember joe biden when he got up and gave this lovely speech as president
4: Respected conservatives like Federal Circuit Court Judge Michael Ludwig has called Trump and the extreme, MAGA Republicans, quote, a clear and present danger to our democracy. But while the threat to American democracy is real, I want to say as clearly as we can, we are not powerless in the face of these threats. We are not bystanders in this ongoing attack on democracy.
3: Stochastic terrorism. And you remember, you remember in the wake of that speech, what I told you, you do remember what I told you was going to happen, right? And so when you get up there as president of the United States of America, and he's a fascist, he's evil, he's a threat to America. What you're doing is you're sending the bat signal up into the sky to the dregs of society that it's open season on you. And you need to make sure you're ready to protect yourself. Sadly, that turned out to be accurate. Kaylor Ellingson, 18-year-old kid, gets in some spat with some 41-year-old piece of trash communist, some political spat, The 41-year-old then gets in his SUV, apparently Kaler called his mom, told him he was having an argument with this guy. She didn't know that was the last time she'd ever speak to her boy again because the 41-year-old street communist, well, I mean, he found himself one of the extremist Republicans who were a threat to democracy. So he got in his SUV and he mowed that poor kid down and his parents will never sit around the Christmas tree with him ever again because of stochastic terrorism. You have got to understand, you have got to be aware that you are sandwiched. It goes way beyond Joe Biden. The highest levels of power, Joe Biden, the FBI, federal government, they continually label you as an extremist, a fascist, a domestic terrorist, a potential domestic terrorist, an enemy of the state, a threat to democracy. That's what they say. This applies to your mayor, probably, your local DA. They think the same thing. You're a piece of trash. You're an enemy of the state. Well, the bottom feeders, the street communists, please understand these are not people with values that you would recognize. These are vile human beings, almost always criminal records, nothing to live for, lifelong losers. When a lifelong loser who's a communist wakes up in the morning and he hears the president of the United States of America telling him they're enemies of the state, and then he happens to get one of these extremists in his sights be when he's behind the wheel of an SUV, he might just consider himself the hero for mowing that person down and killing them. Stochastic terrorism. It is inevitable now. And realize this, and this is the most important part. This isn't the end. Nobody's waking up, certainly none of the communists on the top. Not one person, not one, woke up and read the news about Kaylor Ellingson and said, ah, dang, that's on us. You know what? We need to back off. Not one person. Remember that statement Joe Biden made about it? Oh, you don't? Because he didn't. They all woke up, everyone in the media, Joe Biden, the government, the FBI, They all woke up. They saw the news about Kaylor Ellingson, and you know what they did? They went, nice. They want you dead, or they want you scared. Either way, they want you to shut up and stop worrying about your freedoms. And if you don't do that, if you don't bend the knee, if you don't comply, they're totally fine if one of the vile bottom feeders murders you. They'll no sweat off their back. Again, we're not dealing with human beings who have values you would recognize. They don't look at your life, the life of your husband, your wife, your child, and they don't place any value on it at all. You're simply in the way. And that brings us to something else when it comes to being sandwiched. New York AG Letitia James made a little announcement yesterday.
2: The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat this system, thereby cheating all of us. He did this with the help of the other defendants, his children, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump.
3: Donald Trump has gotta be the most politically persecuted human being, maybe in the history of this country. But understand what's happening right now. Please take a 30,000 foot view of things. If you make this all about Trump, you're going to miss where we're at and where we're going. You're sandwiched. They own the entire administrative state, including the DOJ, a corrupt, rotted system it fears system disruptors. That's what Trump was. That's why they're trying to utterly destroy him. It's a civil suit with Letitia James. It's an FBI raid with the feds. It's a—they're trying to smash Trump because he is the one they viewed as being a threat to all the rotted things they're doing in the government. They'll smash Trump, and the second a new guy pops up, whoever that new guy happens to be, they'll smash him too. And then the next guy, they'll smash him too. If you allow yourself to believe the media and some of the weenies we have on the right, well, it's about Trump, he's a loose cannon, Trump says crazy things. If you allow yourself to believe that, you will miss the fact it's about the system. It's about a corrupt, rotted system that is weaponized against you. It's so much bigger than Trump. So much bigger than Trump. And speaking of Trump, you know my position on the primary for 2024. Everyone's wearing, are you a heavy D guy? Are you a Trump guy? I don't wear, I don't wave anybody's pom-poms. I don't wear anybody's pajamas. I want them both to get in there and have a good fight. Have a big, nasty divisive fight because i believe it will make whoever the winner is a lot better go prove to me you can win a primary go prove to me you can fundraise in all 50 states organize get a good campaign team going your work on your social media fundraise these things are critical to being president of the united states go do, go defend your ideas on the stage go up there and do it and it, i don't care which one of them wins because the best one will win that's how I've looked at it. But I do have a question. And the question is a valid question. I don't care whose pom-poms you wave. Who is going to surround Donald Trump next time? Because Donald Trump was an excellent president who had excellent ideas. Well, he was an excellent president until COVID. But the people Donald Trump surrounded himself with we the biggest bunch of weapons-grade losers I've ever seen in my life, and they kneecapped his agenda, the agenda you loved and that I loved. They kneecapped it every step of the way. And maybe the worst, the absolute worst offender at that is Jared Kushner. And I've got to ask if Donald Trump's going to win that primary, and he probably is. He's the most popular Republican in in the country. Is this human being once again going to be in the White House kneecapping the agenda?
5: I also... We have to remember these are human beings, they're people, so seeing them being used as political pawns one way or the other is is very uh, troubling to me.
3: He's talking about Heavy D hauling illegals to Martha's Vineyard. Well, it's very troubling to him. I need to know, is that human being going to be within 500 miles of the White House again? Because we've had Trump person after Trump person after Trump person come out and say, that human being kneecapped the agenda in the presidency you loved and I loved. I want to know if he's going to be there again, and that's a valid question to ask. All that may have made you uncomfortable, it probably did, but I'm right. Now we're going to talk about inflation and what do all these numbers mean, .75 BPS, there's a lot to discuss. We'll discuss that in a moment. Before we discuss that, let's discuss how your home smells. Hold on, hold on. I know you keep a clean home, I'm not accusing you otherwise. but. How does it smell? You know your homes gather smells over time. Pets, cooking, human beings, soaks into the walls, soaks into the floors. It's natural. You know Eden Pure Thunderstorms? You know they take the odors out of the air? They take the odor out of the air. They don't cover it up. If you buy an Eden Pure Thunderstorm and you go plug it in your bedroom and you walk away, I know because I did this, you walk away and come back in an hour, you'll walk in your room and almost be able to taste how clean the air is. They have a three-pack for sale for my viewers because I own three of them now. Actually, I own six of them. I have three in the studio and three at home, but three-pack for sale for you. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE gets you a three-pack, $200 off. That's a three-pack for under 200 bucks. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. You will not regret it. We'll be back.
5: Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. The FOMC raised its policy interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point, and we anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate. We are moving our policy stance purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%.
3: Joining me now, John Carney joins us often, Breitbart News and Finance and Economics reporter, to explain all those big words. Okay, John. I saw these headlines yesterday, three three quarters of a percentage point, 0.75 BPS. That, That sounds like a blood pressure reading to me. I don't understand. What's he talking about? What do these words mean to me?
4: So the Fed is raising their interest rate target by three quarters of a percentage point. A basis point is 1%, 1%. So what they're doing is this is the third time in a row that they've done a three quarters of a percentage point hike. Uh, which is really large. They haven't hiked that much since 1994 until the current cycle. Traditionally, they would move it up by 25 basis points, so a quarter of a point, or 50 basis points. What they've decided is they need to move more aggressively on interest rates because inflation is so high. Okay.
3: Now, how am I supposed to interpret this, John? As far You mentioned it's an inflation move, and obviously it is are they worried inflation is about to get worse? It's already really bad. Is this a signal for their, that, uh, that they're concerned about the future? Is this what
4: has already happened? How am I supposed to interpret this? It is a concern about the future. Not that inflation's going to get worse, but remember the Fed believed, just like the White House, that this inflation was transitory, that it was going to go away, fade on its own. It was all supply-train driven. This was a mistake, it's not. Inflation has become more entrenched and more widespread in our economy. It has been fed by the massive amounts of spending that we've had. So it wasn't just supply chain problems, it was the fact that we introduced another $6 trillion of government spending into the economy. If you do that, you will get inflation. So what the Fed has is saying now is okay. We realized we messed up. It wasn't transitory. We thought inflation would be a lot lower today than it is now. So we are going to have to, rank, you know, uh, increase interest rates up to, you know, a level where it starts to actually restrict the economy, where it starts to constrain economic growth. It constrains demand for labor, meaning people will get laid off. The Fed is aiming to bring down home prices. It wants stock prices to be down. It wants more people to be unemployed. And it doesn't want those because they're a bunch of big guys. It wants it because they think this is what they need to do to get inflation down.
3: Okay, uh, are they still printing money?
4: Well, unfortunately, we just had the Biden administration say you know what? We're going to forgive on our own around you know a couple hundred billion dollars of student loan debt. That's an inflationary move. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually does the opposite. It is inflationary at least for the next couple of years. Any deflationary effect it has will come years and years from now, too late to help us at all. So we've got this problem of nonstop spending. We've, and when you spend this much money, trillions of dollars pushed into the economy, then you will get inflation. And we're not doing anything on the fiscal side to stop s- spending. And until we do that, the Fed is—it actually makes their job harder, and it means that we're going to have higher and higher interest rates because we keep spending too much. Okay. Well, I
3: don't mean—I don't mean to be doom and gloom, Guy John, but. That sounds like a problem that is without end. Washington is never going to stop spending. They're never going to stop printing money, so we're going to see never-ending interest rates until they're a hundred percent.
4: How does that how does this how does this ride end? Well, so that's a good question. A lot of people think that the Fed will get inflation under control pretty early next year. I think that's way too optimistic given the spending problems. It could be if we get Republicans elected into Congress that we won't We will no longer be in danger of unending spending if the Republicans actually are able to control themselves and not spend. That's not always clear, but I think gridlock in Washington will help bring down the spending a little bit, and that will help the Fed in its attempt to bring down inflation. But frankly, I don't think we're going to get back to a normal healthy level of inflation 2% until probably 2025. So th- this is gonna be a long road of high rates and it's gonna take us uh, uh, take a lot of economic pain to get there. I think we have to see unemployment go above 5% and that means a lot of people losing their jobs and that's not gonna be painless.
3: No, that's okay. I, I've gotta ask another dumb question on this, John. So I just wanna know how it applies to people's lives. So you're telling me the money I have in my bank account is going to slowly but surely lose value until the year 2025, that it's going to be worth even less by 2025 than it is now. Is that what you're telling me?
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. Not only that, though, your stock portfolio is likely to go down. Your home value is likely to go down. And, uh, and the financing for everything you want from cars to if you want to, you know, buy a new home is going to be a lot more expensive. Your credit card rates are going to go up. So it is going to be a tough few years ahead economically. John, that sounds like a Great Depression or at least
3: a severe recession to me. Is that over the top?
4: How severe we are going to have a recession, how severe it's going to get, we'll see. I mean, to put a slightly silver lining on this, 5% unemployment is high compared to what we've had for the last few years, not counting the extreme liftoff in the pandemic, but it's low historically. We've had around 5% unemployment in times that weren't a recession. So if we only get to 5.5, 5, 5, 6% uh, unemployment, it will feel bad compared to where we've been But it won't be that bad historically. And frankly, the cost of inflation, as you were saying, which just erases people's savings, is too much. And if we need to bear pain on the unemployment side, unfortunately, I think that's what we need to do. Oof,
3: man, that's an ugly trade-off. Okay. Home prices. I keep seeing home prices are dropping. Seven months in a row, home prices are dropping. Now, I would like the value of my home to go up, but I'm glad homes are becoming more affordable to other people. Is this good news? Is it bad news? What is this?
4: So the problem is homes aren't really becoming more affordable because the mortgage is going up so much that people are still not able to afford a home. Before it was because homes were too expensive. Now the mortgage rate is so much that they're not more affordable because affordability has you know is both sides, the price and the mortgage rate. So affordability isn't increasing. That's actually one of the reasons home prices are going down and are probably going to go down, not a lot, but you know we're gonna see a significant downdraft because in order for homes to sell, people are going to have to lower their price. They're not gonna be happy about that, but I don't think it's gonna be a disaster. We had a huge run up in price when you have 20% year after year in home price appreciation, you're pretty much guaranteeing that either you'll have uh, the prices go flat for a long time, or they're gonna go down for a little while. Because what you've done is you've smuggled all the appreciation that was gonna happen two or three or four years from now and put it in years one and two. So I think you know, nobody likes to see their home value go down, but it's at this point, it's pretty inevitable. And like I said, you're really just taking back some of the gains we saw over the last few years.
3: John Carney, thank you so much, my man. Come back soon. Thanks for having me. All right. My man, Mike Slater joins us next. He's got something new coming out. I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get to that, let's get to this. Put your money where your morals are. You've heard me say it a thousand times. I actually stole that line from my wife. I should let you know, but you've heard me say it a thousand times. It's something we've been terrible at, myself included. I'm not pointing fingers. We go, we have these horrible corporations who just dump on our values, and we just go out, we just, we pay them for it. We're funding all this crap you see on TV all over the place, the movies, to everything. But what do you do? You gotta live your life. You need goods and services as part of your survival in this country. So where do you shop? Don't ask me. Ask Public SQ. Right there in your app store, They will tell you which businesses share and don't share your values. Need to go out and buy something? Public SQ will tell you where you should go. It is the tool. Someone should start a list. Someone did. Public SQ has the list and it's expanding every day. It is your tool. Public SQ. It's in your app store. Go download it. Enjoy. Put your money where your morals are. We'll be back. There's a new podcast out there. I don't. I get emails all the time. Jesse, what podcast you listen to? What podcast you listen to? Mike Slater has one, little historical biblical perspective on things. Mike, first of all, what's the name of this new podcast of yours?
6: Man, I'm grateful for you, Jesse. Politics by Faith with Mike Slater. It's a play on Hebrews 11 and 12. So, Politics by Faith just came out yesterday.
3: Okay. Politics and faith. I thought I thought faithful people weren't supposed to get involved in that icky politics. Isn't that how no. it's supposed to be?
6: Yeah, no, here's, here's the whole genesis of this. There's way too much anxiety in our culture. I have it. My wife feels it. Everyone I know, it's just like, we're just like wound up too tight. Way too much anxiety. People are having trouble sleeping at night. Uh, 50% of Americans doom scroll at night in bed just sitting here in bed, just scrolling through everything seeing how life is miserable and full of despair and things are terrible and the economy is awful. Like this is no way to go through life. We have never, no people have ever been bombarded with as much news as we are right now. It's constant. So I wanted to address that anxiety. So that's what this podcast is. So here's how it works, Jesse. First, we come out with the story of the day, right? We explain it clearly and all the rest. We lament it because most of this stuff doesn't need to be this way. These are mostly failures from our government, so we lament that. But then we take a turn, and this is where we bring the historical and biblical perspective, because I believe, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.9, there's nothing new under the sun. And the point of this perspective is to give you peace so that you can sleep at night and wake up ready to fight on. So I mentioned Hebrews 11 and 12. So it says, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Jacob, by faith, by faith, all these Old Testament saints and then the wonderful things they did. But then it ends with uh, the men and women of God were made strong out of weakness. And that's what we can do. We can either let this the, our days make us weak and miserable and pathetic, or we can be made stronger out of these difficult days. And that's what I know you and I, want to do. And just one last thing, there's one other great line in Hebrews. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And anxiety and worry, especially if that like consumes you and if that keeps you up at night, that will hinder you (laughs) and that will entangle you. And Hebrews says, uh, so do not grow weary or lose heart. And that's the point of this. A little perspective can bring us peace, make us stronger, not grow weary, not lose heart, fight on to live another day.
3: Yeah, there's a ton of anxiety out there. People in my family that struggle with it. I probably would, except I'm a sociopath. All right, Mike, give us some, <laughs> give us some perspective on interest rates and the Fed. and Because, I mean, there is real
6: people who are obviously hurting
3: out there. They know it when they go buy groceries. They know it if their small business needs a loan. Give us some perspective.
6: Yeah, yeah man. So this is the one that gets me the most. This is the most personal for me. So I got two stories to share. First, in ancient Greece and in the Bible, there's two words for the word time. You have chronos time. This is where we get the word chronological. And this is like seconds, minutes, hours, days, right? How you measure time. But then there's also this word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And it's it's a broader, more like, like a season of time or the opportune time or the right time. And that word's used 86 times the in the bible Uh, like again solomon ecclesiastes there's a time to mourn and a time to laugh right so it's it's this this bigger concept of time and i notice that when i think about the economy and i get anxious i'm living in a chronos mindset i'm like checking the stock market and checking bitcoin and looking at my portfolio i'm like living by the second and it just riddles me with anxiety So I need to broaden out and have a kairos mindset and recognize that this is a a season of life. And it's going to be a difficult season in a lot of ways for a lot of people. But people have been through worse, and we can get through it too. And that just takes such an edge off. And then I can think more clearly. I also think of difficult times in the Bible that people have been through. And my goodness, there's plenty of these. But I'm reminded of the story of uh, Samaria. So Samaria was besieged by the enemy. And there's like tons of relevancy to what's going on today with Samaria that it's in the podcast. But um, things were so expensive in Samaria. The Bible specifically says, this is in 2 Kings, that a donkey head cost 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung went for five pieces of silver, right? So things were so expensive that an unclean animal's head cost more than anyone could afford. It's like a year's salary. And even a cup of bird dung for fuel cost five pieces of silver. Things were really, really bad, and they made it through. And I'll give you this one, because this is how bad things were. There's a great scene where the King of Samaria is, is walking down the street, and a woman comes up to him and says, King, King, you're not gonna believe it. I need your help. A woman and I came up with a, uh, a plan to kill our children and we were gonna kill my son first and eat him, and then we were gonna kill her son and eat him. But all we did was kill my son, and then she left with her son, and that's unfair, and that's unjust, and we need to go find her so we can kill her son and eat her son. That's how bad things were in Samaria. They were eating their own children. So we're not there yet, and recognizing that uh, makes me feel a little bit better.
3: Well, I guess that does put burger prices in perspective, doesn't it? OK, let's, let's get to something. Let's get to uh, Corinne Diversity Hire. Uh, this is pretty much lacking in perspective.
2: Let me just say a, a couple of things about what's happening at the border. The DHS put out a report laying out what kind of a migration situation that we're dealing with, which is very new. Oh,
6: wow. That's great. very new I heard that. situation. Is it brand new? Oh. Wow, that's amazing. I've never heard that before. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Like, I, I need that in my next podcast. But we did one episode on immigration already. I'm sure we'll have more. And the point here is no, none of this is new. I think these purveyors of anxiety, right? The people who want to get you all riled up, want to get you so you're not thinking straight, thinking clearly, one of the things they do is they, they tell you everything's unprecedented, right? Never happened before. All this stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. There's nothing new under the sun. And I tell you, it's shocking how all of this is in the Bible. And there's other historical examples, too, that we go on in the podcast. I know you're a history buff, Jesse. So, oh, no, mass migration of people? Are you kidding me? New? No? no way. The, uh, the the Bronze Age, there were huge migrations of people across Europe and Asia. Uh, the That was in 3,000 B.C. The Bantu people of Central Africa, right, they were the first to pretty much figure out farming, so they had a lot of of more people they could make, and then they expanded into the rest of Central and Southern Africa. Massive migrations of the English all across the world, the largest empire in the world, of course. Migrations, uh, well, how about India and Pakistan? That partition, 14 million people were moved there. Two million of them were killed. Uh, I know you love the fact that 12 million Italians uh, left Italy uh in the early Mm, 1900s mm, there's seven times more people of irish heritage in america now than there are even in ireland right so migration is nothing new so don't give me that and because there's nothing new there's a lot of lessons we can learn now it's even in the bible uh there's tons of these stories but the one that we we focused on uh in our first episode was aquila and priscilla and they're mentioned six times in the new testament i'll just give you the very short of it they're from turkey but they're living in rome and the, the emperor, Claudius, in 52, said, we're getting rid of all the Jews. We're expelling them all. Now, if you're Aquila and Priscilla, you're minding your own business. That's unjust. That's unfair. What do you mean I got to go? This is our home. We're making tents here. But they obeyed the law, Jesse. They obeyed the ruling. No matter how unfair and unjust, they thought it was. They left and they went to Corinth and then they bumped into Paul and they went on this huge ministry trip together all around the world and they were become amazing saints who are now in the New Testament, which is pretty cool. But... There's always been migrations of people. There's always been uh, uh, laws about this issue. And my conclusion from that is, it is okay for you and I, Jesse, to expect people to obey laws and the laws of the land and even immigration laws, dare I say.
3: Claudius, not a good person. Not a good person if you want to do some reading on one of the true monsters out there. Mike Slater, go listen to his podcast. Thank you, my brother.
6: Uh, you're a good man. Thank you, Jesse.
3: Good man. How about a podcast make you feel a little better, huh? It's good too. All right. Now, got to make preparations, don't we? It's part of how we're. At. I'll tell you this speaking of things that help calm anxiety, I wake up in the morning and throughout the day, I feel the same way you feel about the issues. I'm right here with you. I'm looking, I'm worried, I'm nervous. It makes me feel better to make preparations. I buy ammunition, it makes me feel better i you know about gold makes me feel better i make sure my family has an emergency three-month food supply every one of us every person who lives in my home has an emergency three-month food supply and that is something i struggled with for a long time i used to interview these survivalists and stuff like that so what should i get beans like i don't understand i don't have to think about it you don't have to be an expert on it my patriot supply is they have partnered with the show we're very grateful for them because they're providing emergency three-month food kits to my viewers for $250 off. That's awesome. It's the best deal they've had in years. Go to preparewithjessikelly.com and get an emergency three-month food kit for everyone in your home. If you're just by yourself, just get one. But everyone in your home needs three months worth of food, 2,000 calories a day. Preparewithjessikelly.com. We'll be back. Well, there was a big announcement in Russia, but I don't know what it was. It was in Russian. I don't even understand what's going on over there. But thankfully, I know someone who does. My friend Brian Dean Wright, of course, of the Incredible President's Daily Brief podcast that's blowing up all over the place. Unsurprisingly, all right, Brian. Russia, Putin. I had heard there was going to be some major announcement. I heard there was going to be an escalation. I I, I don't know what any of this stuff means. Does that mean they're winning, losing? What's going on?
5: Well, you're right. It was in Russian, so let me let me translate, friend. Right, bottom line is, it was a big, big deal. In fact, one of the biggest deals we have seen, and certainly since the start of the war. So, upwards of three hundred, even more thousand people could be called up. Former uh, soldiers, fighters, reservists. Uh, the war is not going well for Russia. They are down there some of their best fighters and some units fifty to sixty percent. Some folks are saying upwards of eighty percent. So the Russians are taking a very, very big hit, and they have to backfill. Obviously, they don't have a lot of folks uh, in the region, so they've got to come back home for it, and that's exactly what they're doing. So they've got a 600-mile-long front uh, from up north all the way down into Crimea. They've got a backfill. That's what this was all about. Uh, who exactly they're looking for? Some of that is classified, but we do know uh, combat engineers, snipers, uh, tank drivers. We, we we have a pretty broad uh, requirement that we're seeing. Uh, but what this means future forward in terms of will these folks actually be put into the fight or will they be used more for defensive purposes? That's, I think, really the, the, the big question. I think most folks are saying this is just going to be about holding the line through winter and then we are going to freeze out the Rush, the Europeans, I should say, uh, this winter. I think that's Putin's ultimate goal, just hold the line, freeze out Europe, uh, and that hopefully will get him to victory, he's thinking, by spring. Okay, uh, we'll get to freeze out here in a moment. Why
3: why is Russia taking so much punishment? I, I mean, I, I don't know the in, interiors of either military, Russia or Ukraine, but obviously this was handicapped as something that was Russia was going to beat the crap out of these these guys fairly early and they have it. What, what's going on?
5: Yeah, so two things. Uh, one, the, the folks that Russia sent in initially, some of them weren't their, their uh, absolute top tier folks. Uh, they had to backfill. Um, But the second piece is that, you know, they are really fighting West, the, the West and Europe, the United States. And that's, in fact, what uh, Putin and his uh, Minister of Defense said yesterday, that they are, in fact, at war with the West, not just Ukraine. So that's the first piece. The second, you know, the Russians have done some pretty silly things. Uh, for instance, they removed a bunch of their best troops from the from their northern front and moved them all the way down south. That basically left the entire north open for attack, and in fact, that's what the United States and Ukraine did together. They pushed hard, and they slaughtered a whole bunch of Russian soldiers. So the Russians have made some pretty big uh, you know, mistakes here, but there's no doubt that they are fighting uh, America and the West with our weaponry, and the Ukrainians have actually been doing pretty darn good with what we've given them.
3: Okay, you say they were fighting Ukraine
5: and us. What why were they fighting us? Uh, Well, the dirty little secret, of course, is that our special forces and intelligence officers are on the ground in Ukraine. So we, of course, are doing a heck of a lot of the fighting. We're just not acknowledging it.
3: Okay. Now, uh, doesn't this push Russia into the arms of China or Iran? Is there going to be some kind of military alliance? or, or, Or do China and Iran, they don't want any part of this? I'm worried about a desperate nuclear power losing a war. That's what I'm worried about.
5: Yeah. Look, I think you were highlighting what the most of us now believe, which is that Putin is being backed into a corner. This man knows that if he loses this war, it's his head, literally. It goes on a stake, uh, and a lot of his regime leaders. So if he gets to the point where he feels like this is not going to go well for him, it's going to end. Well, he knows that it's a Saddam Hussein or a Muammar Gaddafi of Iraq and Libya. Respectfully, he's done. So that could mean that he will end up using some of the more horrific weapons he has at his disposal to include nuclear weapons, tactical nukes first, and then something far more horrific. Whether or not China comes to his aid or countries like India, right now they're doing it via economic trade, buying lots of Russian coal, oil, and natural gas, but whether they provide some of the the critical pieces of like the microchips that go into the missiles and some of the more advanced weaponry, that's what I'm looking for. If we see a lot more of that happening, then we know for sure that China and uh, India, even though they might have concerns you know, with this war, they still want Moscow to win, most especially China. That's the one that I'm really looking for. Why
3: would India want Moscow to win?
5: Well, I think it's a geopolitical calculus for them. They, they don't want any one nation in the world getting too particularly strong. They want to come to the table as an equal. And so I don't know that they necessarily want Moscow to, to to win to be victorious. Ultimately, they just want a multipolar world, not just led by the United States.
3: Okay, now let's circle back to what you said about circle back, just like Gensaki. Let's circle back to what you said about Russia trying to bite and hold through the winter and freeze Europe out. What do you mean by that? They don't have coats in Europe? What do you
5: mean? Well, they're going to need more of them, because here's the bottom line. Europe imports a lot of its energy, most especially natural gas, and they use it to heat their homes and to fuel their industries. And what we have seen over the past number of months, is turning off the spigot, so Europe is desperately seeking for more supply. They're getting some, and that's fine. But the problem is, the longer that the winter lasts, the less of this oil and natural gas that they have to use and to burn and to fuel their economies, heat their homes. So what the the Russians are thinking is, hey, if we can just hopefully have a hard winter and the Europeans burn through a lot of their fuel, they are going to freeze to death, literally and figuratively. Their economy is gonna go belly up. They already are struggling. We're seeing aluminum plants. We are seeing uh, smelters of various kinds shut their doors because they can't afford the natural gas. It's dramatically up in price. So that really is what Putin I think is aiming for here, sending in these hundreds of thousands of troops, hold the line, freeze out Europe, and let's see where it takes us by next March or so.
3: Speaking of energy, we have news on the green energy front here in America, and it's not good news. What is it?
5: Oh, oh dear. Uh, Earlier this week, there was a big fire in Monterey, California, the lithium-ion battery that was made by Tesla. And our dear friends at Tesla, unfortunately, make some bad batteries on occasion. Well, one of them caught fire. And that meant that the entire area had to be shut down, stay-at-home order. You had to throw up your windows, shut off your AC. Why? Because of all the toxic fumes that these lithium-ion batteries uh, emit when they're on fire. Well, it can kill you pretty quickly. And as it turns out, these fires are really hard to, to extinguish. And so the firefighters have put on hazmat suits. Uh, it's a, a nightmare multi-day process. We've seen this before in Australia. We saw a shipment of cars actually light on fires crossing across the Pacific Ocean, sunk the ship that was transporting them. So these kinds of fires, I'm sorry to say, are probably going to become a lot more common as the transition happens to renewable energy, this dirty green stuff. It turns out it's not you know, rainbows and sunshine, right? We're not twirling around in green fields with this stuff. It's really dangerous. We have to be very careful who, for whoever decides they want to adopt this, if that's what your, your choice is. All right,
3: food, food prices. I, I, the things I hear from people now, Brian, just in day-to-day conversations about people and their grocery bills. They're very worried. Is this about to stop these price increases? Is it about to get worse? Give me some forecasting here.
5: No, so I'll tell you, there's some very sobering uh, reporting out in the last couple of weeks uh, from farmers and ranchers all around the world. We've got companies um, like ADM and, and others saying, look, We've had some pretty marginal harvests in North America, South America, Europe got hit hard with a drought. China got hit hard. So we're looking at lower uh, stocks of wheat, rice, corn, soybeans across the board. And that's why we are seeing prices so high. Futures, in fact, are up from 15 to 25 percent for a lot of our commodities. And so that means we're probably going to have much higher food bills for the next year or two. We really need you know, better crops. We're just not getting them. You know, Mother nature sometimes doesn't cooperate with us. So folks should unfortunately expect to see more of these kinds of increases in their food prices for quite a while. So fire up that garden, buy that whole hog uh, or, or, or big old cow, whatever you got to do, throw it in the freezer because you need to find a way to save money. This thing ain't going away. Brian Dean Wright, it is the President's Daily Brief
3: Podcast. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. As always. All right. We have a light in the mood next. <laughs> Joe Biden got lost again. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Before we get to that, I know that was a lot of, it's been a lot of dark when it comes to all this finance news. John Carney telling us, look at some rough things till 2025. Brian Dean Wright, I know it's dark out there. Okay, we can't sit around and cry. We have to make preparations. Make preparations. Do you have gold in your physical possession? I don't mean a piece of paper saying you got some gold somewhere. Do you have gold coins in your physical possession? Do you know that no matter what happens, depression, food, no matter what happens, those gold coins will be able to buy goods and services because they have since the dawn of time. Talk about something to backstop you call oxford gold group and they will deliver gold to your front door they're super laid back wonderful people my i sent my own father to oxford gold group all right you can trust these guys 833-995-gold just tell them jesse told you to call they will take care of you 833-995-gold all right we'll be back all right it's time to lighten the mood with our lost president (laughs) he never knows where he is where he's going i just i want to clarify i've given some speeches i mean not like thousands but I've, i've given quite a few speeches in my time of being a world famous celebrity and i just want to want to let you know when you're done speaking at the podium there are only two different directions you can go you're not going to go out into the audience you can't go straight back because there's always a wall or a curtain there. You can go right or you can go left. You have a 50-50 shot of getting it right if you just guess. And yet, Joe Biden never seems to know. I'll tell you what, before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, I didn't know what home title theft was. So if you don't know what it is, don't feel stupid. I had no idea what it was. Woke up one day, looked at my phone, and... Uh, There's my home title in my email. And it looks like I took a loan out against it. And my signature looked like my signature and my wife's signatures on the home title. You know how long it took them to hack into my home title? 10 minutes. That's the thing. It's not just a crime that's wiping people out. It's easy for them. It's no challenge at all. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up today. HomeTitleLock.com. All right? They will detect any tampering and shut it down like that. Now, without further ado, Joe Biden uh, got up and spoke on our behalf, and when he was done, he just got a little
4: lost. Joe Biden, wake up. Uh, Mr. President, thank you. At the end of such a momentous event, the word thank you seems kind of inadequate. But for all the millions whose lives will be saved. Joe Biden, wake up.
3: I'll see you tomorrow.
5: giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start
0: your morning. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever, I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.